Our scripture this morning is taken from the book of John, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger rode on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Lord, as we look to your word, we just pray that your spirit, as, as, um, as he has continued to move in this place, would now teach us, uh, teach us from the living word. Uh, just hide me behind your cross, and Lord, let people hear what you have to say this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This is a, 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 one of those uh, events in Scripture where a lot of people love to quote certain parts of it. Uh, we love to quote John 8, verse 7, Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. I think we've all probably said that in some conversation that we've heard or, or have had. But again, this is one of those scriptures where we really need, you, you almost have to really get an understanding of what was, what's in here, but also what was left out, okay? And, and we see how Jesus is sensitive uh, to, to, to the Spirit of God as he ignores the voices. You know, sometimes being sensitive to God's Spirit means you speak, and sometimes it means you don't speak. Uh, and this is probably one of, this. I think this is really Jesus at his best. When we see, not, not that he was ever at his worst, but when we see how he interacts with, with the people, how he handled people in sin, and how he handled judgment. Grace is something that we love to speak about. Uh, we sing about it. But how often do we actually show people grace? Uh, and, and also, what, we're going, what, what I want to do this morning is to remind us that God's grace is for each one of us. But there's also a responsibility that comes with grace. 
Because God, Jesus, excuse me, gave this woman a responsibility, a charge, if you will. And so we will see that today. I, I do believe that more and more uh, we are seeing more grace in the church. You know, someone shared with us at officers' councils that some pretty rough things that were said to them early on in their ministry. And I just thought, wow, how did somebody say that? But, you know, I think we, we all have scars, don't we? Each one of us has scars where people have said things that maybe really hurt us, especially in the church. But what is grace? One Bible dictionary describes it as God's free and spontaneous action taken to meet human need, especially in providing salvation and enabling the believer. You know, we, we think of grace, we think of salvation. But, you know, there's also uh, sustaining grace. There's healing grace. Uh, sometimes, you know, what we need is not the salvation. We already have that. We need an empowerment. We need enabling. As Christians, we are to be reflections of God's grace. Now, if you go, just put, put a margin there in John 8, but if you go over to John chapter 1, one of the things that it says about Christ uh, was that in John chapter 1 was that he was full of grace and truth. And in fact, John 1.16 says, For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Friends, I want to say this to you too. The world likes to speak of love. The world likes to speak of grace. But there is no grace without truth. There is no truth without grace. Jesus embodied grace and truth. We will see here that he gives this woman grace and then he also shares truth with her. We need to do the same. We, the problem is you can't be too heavy on the truth and, and, and not enough on grace. And you also can't be too heavy on grace and just kind of leave out the truth. There's damage that is done any time we do that. There's a, there's a perfect balance that Jesus gives us in this event. Now, the truth is we should all welcome anyone who comes in our doors. We need to welcome those who don't know the Lord. Those who have had maybe a rougher past than we would have. And yes, sometimes for whatever reason, it makes us a little uncomfortable. But that says more about us than it does anyone else. One story was told, in fact, Philip Yancey wrote this book, that was, wrote a book called What's So Amazing About Grace many, many years ago. And in that book, he shares this story. He says, this is from a man who works with uh, the down and out in Chicago. He said, a prostitute came to me in wretched straits, homeless, sick, unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. Through sobs and tears, she told me she had been renting out her own daughter, two years old, to men. She made more renting out her daughter for an hour than she could earn on her own in a night. She had to do it, she said, to support her drug habit. This man said, I could hardly bear hearing her sordid story. One thing, it made him legally liable. In his situation, he was 
required to report cases of child abuse. So he had no idea what he would say. And then he said, at last, I asked her if she had ever thought of going to a church for help. His, her answer was a pure sh shock that crossed her face. Church, she screamed. Why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible about myself. They just make me feel worse. I hope that that's not true for us. I hope that we would understand that it is by God's grace that we are where we are. Everything is about God's grace in terms of the betterment of your soul. Paul reminds the church in Ephesus that it is by God's grace that we have been saved, that no one can boast. So we need to understand that, that yes, grace is the answer, not condemnation. But I'm going to tell you, friends, I'm not talking about condemnation. There's a healthy conviction, though, that the Spirit brings. No one in Christ is condemned. In fact, Paul reminds us in Romans, anyone who is in Christ, there is no condemnation. But I'm thankful this morning for conviction. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring condemnation, but He convicts us so that we can draw nearer to the Lord. So going back to the passage, we, we read that, that Jesus is in the temple. And, and, you know, I really like how the Jews taught. They sat down, everybody else stood up. Uh, and, and, and here it's the other way around, right? Well, there's nothing like disrupting a church service than bringing some nude woman into the service and say, hey, preacher, what do you think about what we need to do to her? You see, they did all this on purpose. There was no thought of them treating her with mercy. Their strategy was, was actually pretty smart. They, their, their duplicity was evident. The Old Testament law on which they based their charges, remember they said uh, to him in verse uh, 4, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Well, here, here's the thing. Let's, let's go to the Old Testament, okay? Uh, let, let's go to the Old Testament because they're, they're, they're using the Bible in their world, the Old Testament, to promote their agenda. Don't ever do that. I should not do that. I should not pro promote my agenda and use Scripture to do that, okay? There's been more damage done by Christians when we use Scripture to promote what we want it to say. Leviticus 20 verse 10 says this, If there is a man who commits adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, not much of a friend, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. You see, the, the religious leaders didn't quite quote the whole thing. Both the woman and the man should have been stoned, according to Old Testament law. But here's an interesting thing. They're not living in Old Testament times. They're living in Roman times, Roman rule. So here's what's interesting about that. The Old, the Old Testament would have told Jews to stone both the man and the woman, but the Romans did not allow the Jews to hand down the death penalty. 
the leaders were using the woman as a pawn. Remember, this is all a setup for him. This is a, what, what I like to call a gotcha. You ever had that done to you? Somebody sets you up. And then they're like, oh, gotcha. Ha ha, the joke's on you. Well, see, Jesus, there's a great verse in Scripture that says that Jesus knew the hearts of men, which probably would terrify you and I if we really knew the hearts of people. But he did. He could see in their heart. So this really did not surprise him. It probably surprised everyone else. And they all probably looked over at the Pharisees and this woman. And once the Pharisees said, now, teacher, what do you say? You, you could hear every neck muscle turn and look at Jesus and say, man, what, what he's being set up. What is he going to do? They wanted to play, the, the religious leaders wanted to play off Jesus' well-known compassion for sinners against the demands of the law. So their strategy was foolproof. We've got him either way, okay? He can't really stone this woman. The Romans won't let him. He, he can't just go out and totally forgive her. If he upheld Jewish law and called for her to be stoned, he would violate Roman law. So Jesus responds by doing something very strange. He just starts scribbling on the ground. Now, I have heard people just come up with all kind of different things that, that this is what he wrote on the ground. I've even heard people say that he was writing the Pharisees' sins on the ground. I don't know, because the Bible doesn't say, right? The Bible doesn't say. But I would remind you of who is using this against Jesus. It's, it's, the, it's the religious leaders. Do you know even today, when, when you show too much mercy and compassion, you'll even have church people looking at you strange. You see, we have to understand that it is by God's grace that we are not the drug addicts, the prostitutes, those that we would say, thank God I'm not them. Yeah, you better thank God because there's nothing that we've done that keeps us from that, those sins outside of God's grace. All of us, myself included, are capable of the most evil things that you could imagine outside of God. Now, I'm not saying that's something we should dwell on or fixate on, but it's important and it's a healthy thing to say, but for God's grace, go I. You know, you, you and I could all fixate on certain sins or certain things that we say, oh, that's really bad. Sin, it's all bad. In fact, we're all guilty of it. Yes, there, there are people that would say, you, well, you can't judge me. I was born this way. Yes, you were, and I was born this way. We're all born sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, the Bible is saying that, that we've all missed the mark. That's what that means. It's like you know, if you shoot a, a, an arrow and you're trying to hit the bullseye, it's saying if you did it, a hundred times or a million times, you're always going to miss the mark because we're sinners, right? But here's the great truth. That's not where the story ends. The story ends with our Savior dying for our sins and rising again so that we can have grace. We are sinners, yes, but we are sinners saved by the grace of God. 
If there were no sinners, the church would be empty, yes. And so would the pulpit, by the way. But here's the great thing. We all have a sickness, but we all can go to the same person for the remedy. So let's not be focused on the sin. Let's focus on the Savior. Jesus did not condemn those who were lost in their sin. It's really interesting who Jesus condemns. He condemns the Pharisees a lot. Because he says, you guys know better. You know the law. You know what's right. And yet you refuse to do it. You see, when we show grace in our own situations, what we're really showing is Jesus. John 3, 16, I'm not going to quote it. I'm not going to say it. You know it. But you know what many people do not know, and it's just as important as the next verse. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. In fact, you know what Jesus goes on to say? He goes on to say, actually, He doesn't condemn anyone because you're already condemned if you don't accept Him. Jesus' ministry on earth was a ministry of grace. John 1.14, Jesus is full of grace and truth. We need to have the perfect balance in our own lives of grace and truth. If, we become, if it's all about truth, we become legalistic. And if it's all about grace, we become a humanist, where it's, just, just, it's all just about love. And I'm going to tell you, there's the world's definition of love, and then there's God's definition. God, If you want to know what God's definition is, he, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he had Paul write a whole chapter on it. In 1 Corinthians 13, we call it the love chapter. So everything that love is in the Bible, that's what God is. Outside of that, it's not love. So let's look at this. He's writing whatever he's writing, but what he's really doing, and we talked, in fact, we mentioned this, I think, in Sunday school. I think this is really what he's doing. I don't think it has anything to do with what he's writing. You know what he's doing? He's taking the eyes off of the woman. Because now everybody's focused on what is he doing? This is not the time to be doodling. And I think what he was trying to do was take the attention off of this woman. I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. It says she was called in the very act. And they bring her into this temple so everybody can, can see and, and, and gasp and, you know, whatever. But here we get to, yes, when we show grace, we show Jesus. And now we see this conversation. Jesus says to her in the 11th verse, I, uh, I'm sorry, let me go, I got ahead of myself. Let me go up to, uh, let, me, let me go up to verse 10. Straightening up, he's, he wrote whatever he wrote. Now remember, she's in the center of the court. Everybody can see, right in the middle. But Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Do, did, not, uh, did no one condemn you? So he's already said, let, let those who have no sin cast the first stone. He knows to say that. The religious, the religious leaders know they're not God, so they can't throw a stone because that's really what he said to them was, are you God? And he, he knew that that was blasphemy, and so did they. But he says, I don't condemn you. And then this is the, the, the part that everyone leaves out, and they do it on purpose. Go and sin no more. 
He gave her grace, but with grace comes responsibility. And what is the responsibility? The responsibility then is to, in faith, obey. Paul wrote in Romans 6, 1 and 12, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? And then if you skip down, he actually says, uh, we sh- What then shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. You see, we, we don't sin more so God can show us more grace. He's already shown us grace upon grace. But he doesn't just leave us with just, you know, just do what I say. He gives us his spirit. He gives us the ability, the empowerment on the inside to live in such a way that sin is no longer the master. Thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Romans 6, verse 12. In other words, you know, grace is not a license to sin. We are to no longer condemn others. We are not to condemn ourselves. But when we are shown grace, we're all, we're, we're, what we're also being shown is another way. And now we have the responsibility to walk in that way. Our responsibility is from now on, sin no more. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's not possible. What What Jesus is saying is, stop living a life of sin. Stop practicing. In other words, sin should no longer be your default mechanism. It should not be the automatic that you go to, right? Jesus said something crazy when he said, when somebody slaps you on the left, turn to him the right also. And you're thinking, that's not what my mama told me to do. What, was he, what, what he was really saying was, your first thought should not be violence. Your first thought should not be revenge. Shouldn't be your second thought either. What he's saying is you've you've changed your mindset. From now on, sin no more. He knows she's not going to be perfect in, in in that sense. But what he's saying is now that you've shown, now that you've been given grace, now you can live a different way. Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable. And perfect. Now, I don't know any more than you do about this lady, but something tells me something changed in her. And, friends, I hope that if we've experienced God's grace, something has changed in us. Maybe even today, we need a change of heart and mind. Maybe you've seen condemnation at work in your own life, and it's, it's really beating you down. But friends, we don't need to listen to those voices. We don't need to listen to condemnation. There is a big difference between condemnation and conviction. God's work of conviction is is actually helping us to grow and to heal. 
Condemnation just simply says you're guilty and there's nothing else you can do. That's what the law did. The law just basically said you're guilty. You're a sinner. So you can just keep sacrificing these, these lambs or these, these doves and, and, and hopefully one day you'll, you'll, you'll be enough. And then Jesus comes and he dies our ultimate sacrifice and he says, no, I'm, I'm enough. I'm the one who's enough. And I've extended grace. Maybe the one that you need to extend grace to the most is you. Some of us need to forgive ourselves and move on. And God is saying, I've got so much more waiting. But sometimes the hardest person to forgive is us. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Stop condemning yourself. Stop looking at yourself in a way that the world looks at you and looks at you the way God looks at you, who says, you know what, you're made in my image. Many of us have forgotten that. In Ephesians, God says that, uh, that we are his masterpiece. We are, he has given us grace upon grace. I hope you know that grace this morning. I want to sing a song that, um, that many of us have heard. You probably could, could quote it in your own way, but it's song 503. We're going to sing the first and last verse. And it says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. What did John say? How did John recognize Jesus, John the Baptist? He said, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Friends, there is grace in his name there is grace to be found when we find Jesus. He, he's not here to judge us and convict us. The amazing thing to me, what still blows my mind, is that in, in Christ, when God sees me, He sees Jesus. I, I don't understand that. But that's what righteousness is. It's standing in confidence, not in our own confidence, but in the confidence of what Christ has already done for us. So I would invite you to come and accept God's grace. Maybe accept the forgiveness for yourself. I don't know. Just be sensitive to God's Spirit as we sing on the first and the last verse of 5.